Welcome to Kick-Ass Boomers, giving you the motivation and inspiration you need to make the most of your later years. Whether you're still in the planning stages or you're several years in, we'll share stories from boomers who refuse to act their age and continue to live a life inspired. Let them show you how being old can be new if you know what to do with your host, Terry Lorbeer. Hello and welcome to Kick-Ass Boomers. My guest today is James Klopowicz. After retiring as major from the United States Air Force and earning a Doctor of Public Policy, James completed 45 years of experience in the public sector, providing leadership at federal, state, and local levels. For 25 of those years, he served as a senior staffer on the North Carolina Governor's Crime Commission, where his responsibilities encompassed strategic planning, municipal governance, financial development, federal granting, and community and organizational development, implementation, and evaluation. Wow, that's a lot. (laughs) You've done a lot. So welcome, Jim. How are you today? I'm so glad you asked, Terry. You see, it's because I'm too young for Medicare and too old for the women to care. (laughs) I I just lied twice. I just lied (laughs) twice. But it kind of sets the tone. You got to laugh. You You do have to laugh. It's important. We need laughter. (laughs) Indeed, indeed, indeed. So tell us your story, how you went from a farm in Ohio into the Air Force. You became a major and now you're an author. So how did that come about? What did you do? Uh, I have written what's called a uh, lead magnet for my website, which uh, was uh, Affinitas, Publishing.org. Uh, but in it, I, uh, the, uh, the piece that I have there is called Words Matter, because words matter to me a lot. So rather than go into all of the things I've done, and by the way, I know that you are fe- feeling very privileged to be talking to a fellow who can still milk a cow and blast a stump. Oh, that's absolutely. Not- <laughs> <laughs> that's it's true. That's true. <laughs> Nothing to, I like, <laughs> you have to cute. I like to, um, I, I, um, uh, well, I'll, I'll leave that one for later. Okay, but anyway, let's get on to this. Um, when I was, uh, when I graduated from high school, the high school counselor told me that I really shouldn't be college material. And she told me this way, uh, Jim, you really need to find a toolbox to make a living. And that is what was imprinted in my head. So I went off to the Air Force recruiter and I became an aircraft maintenance mechanic. Uh, uh, basic training and so forth. I thought I uh, died and went to heaven because um, they fed us free shrimp on Fridays. I could eat all I want. I got a pair of these really classy black boots, a stylish haircut, and SOS in the morning, all for $83 a month. I thought I died and went to heaven. Anyway. <laughs> well, you what... came from a farm. That's why you think thought you died and went to heaven. <laughs> for sure. For sure. But uh, we'll fast forward and go through this because uh, I know there's a lot of things that we need to get to is I went to the aircraft maintenance mechanic school and at the end of the course, the civilian instructor stood up in front of us and said, boys, and we we're all boys, that uh, he said, you have just finished the equivalent of 12 hours of college. And my heart leapt, you know, and then back of the room over there, I said, I did this. I can do college. And I was on fire. 
So uh, um, going uh, forward a little bit, you know, words mattered all my life. Uh, taking the bus to see the recruiter made all the difference. Getting those words from that uh, that instructor made all the difference. So off to the off to the Philippines for eighteen months, in and out of Vietnam. Thank you very much. And um, then off to Carswell Air Force Base in Fort Worth, Texas, where I was just buried in school the whole time. In fact, um, as the maintenance training NCO, I built a little desk next to my World War II steel posted bed. So I could, and I did, I rolled off that bed onto, uh, into bed, and I could roll off at the exact same word that I went to sleep on. And I did that 16 hours a day for a number of years. Selected to get a commission, who would think that? Uh, and uh, quite frankly, uh, the little toolbox boy was number one in, the, in his college for that particular year. Off, get a commission. Uh, and then uh, worked uh, line jobs. I was selected by the DOD to go to uh, advise the Imperial Iranian Air Force. Don't forget, this is a kid who was supposed to have a, uh, have a, a, a toolbox for a living. Uh, and then, uh, I, uh, believe it or not, I was selected to be on the faculty of Arizona State University. Uh, making a long story short, one of my responsibilities there was to manage the junior ROTC units for two states, Arizona and New Mexico. So um, digging into it, I found out that I could actually start those units. So um, uh, I called headquarters, I say, hot dog, I'd really like to start some here. And the answer was, sorry, can't do it. This is the land of Goldwater, all your slots are filled. I learned a long time ago, you do not accept no for an answer. So I mulled it for a minute, I called back, got somebody else. They said, you know, um, Arizona's got all their quotas filled, but other states don't. Would you like to? I said, holy smokes. I think I would say yes. And so um, fast forward again, I started two of those units. And uh, they still are in existence today. And this is the this is the mission of junior ROTC. Unless you uh, dig into it, it's citizenship. It is citizenship, and usually children, youngsters from difficult circumstances, lower socioeconomic, all, all of them are in there. But a lot of them are looking for direction, and they get it. They got camaraderie. They learn how to cooperate. They learn how to march and so forth. And over the years, don't forget, I started these in the latter 70s, it escapes me, but they're still there. How many thousands of students got a chance to learn citizenship? How many hundreds upon hundreds went on to further education, two-year, four-year? And how many big handfuls got appointments to the United States Air Force Academy? All because that instructor said I could do college. And I, I sit before you today as a published author with a doctorate and uh, with any luck, uh, many more years to go. Absolutely. Lots more years to go. You're only 73. You've got a long way to go. Oh, many, many plan. years. I, I got to be to 93. You know, I'm getting ahead of myself, but well, um, you know what this is all about, that if you take care of yourself, and we can talk more about that. Uh, boomers will routinely live to 104 and still be vital and vigorous. That's important, you gotta take care of yourself. So you need to plan for that. Why? If we work and we're good little boys and girls and we save a couple of dollars and uh, say for the example here that we put enough weight to be able to retire when we're 60. 
I didn't say retire, able right. to retire. Able you have to. No yeah. idea how that, I mean, you float when that happens. <laughs> so um, say that happens. Do you realize if you do the math, that leaves you 35 to 40 years to have leisure to do what? To be better, uh, do better, and do better for the common good. And those are the best years of your life. But you got to be vertical for them. Right. Right. Absolutely. I'm getting, I'm, yeah. I'm getting ahead of myself. I, I, <laughs> um, I know you have questions for me and so forth. So uh, what would you like to know? Well, um, in your book, you talk a lot about new wave leaders, which maybe boomers are thinking, well, I'm not really I don't want to be a new wave leader, but I'm sure there's other things from the book that would benefit them. So what's your yeah. advice for that? Oh, yeah. Well, the purpose of, book, of the book is really to simplify life's questions. Um, I worked for a company before that taught character, that taught um, uh, morals and, and so forth. Uh, but the book uh, not only simplifies the questions, but it does ask the question also, actually, that um, uh, what, is, what is the purpose of life? What is it all about? Um, a lot of people are obsessed by things and power. But what good is power if you're not moral, if you don't have any character? and you're a physical wreck, all right? So I spend a notice in the, in the title of the book over here, I put principles and practices to live. I put live first, because then that answers the question. You have to learn these principles, practice these principles. So then whoever you want to be and become, you're moving in the right direction for yourself, your family and the common good, okay? So um, uh, I have a formula, I'm full of them, uh, to, to simplify this is, is whenever you choose to do something, um, it has to have a moral ground, of course, but it needs to be simple, needs to be suitable. And if you have those two, it can be sustainable. You know, it, it, it does no good to do the insanity workout because it ain't simple. Uh, it's not, you know, uh, it's not suitable as you grow older and it's certainly not sustainable, but you can do a gentlemanly or a gentlewomanly CrossFit class, which I do. More on that later. So uh, S cubed. Um, and then you uh, get into figuring out by reading the greats uh, what all this philosophy is all about. It's merely thinking about how to live a life worth living. Um, uh, one of the things that, uh, one of the questions that they ask, and Cicero is really great about this, Epictetus, Marcus Aurelius, um, they ask the question over and over again is, how do you die well? First of all, you learn to accept it, but their answer is, well, you live well. And then the question becomes, how do you live well? And the answer to that is, you live a life with meaning, okay? Now you're getting close to being able to do something material to make that happen. And I can pa pause right there. I can, I could go on, but it, it does this, if this person another question, uh, fire away. Well, I think many baby boomers, when they were raising their families, they were working hard, they maybe couldn't do that, but now's our time. I mean, if you never had time before to really do what you were meant to do and give back to society, now's the time, right? Uh, it is never too late. Right. Never. It's a philosophy you have to have, but then comes up, okay, what do I need to do? No, how do I need to do it again? Mm -hmm. um, uh, 
this uh, learning to live well, uh, it, it's, it's a matter of finding out what it is and then practicing it on a daily basis. Um, a little story, if you will. Uh, I have had my shoulders repaired. When I had my left shoulder repaired, uh, it, you know, the, the, I just wore it out. That's all it needed. It, it needed yeah. a few, a little bit of duct tape and baling wire in it. And so um, I had that done. So um, in my recovery, part of my recovery was, um, you know, first of all, it was, a, it was a difficult recovery. The first thing that happened was home and so forth. I got a huge pain down my right side. And I just withstood it because I had a physical therapist as my in-home care instead <laughs> of a medical professional. And so essentially he said, take two of these and see me in the morning. Oh. So anyway, it got too bad. And I called 911. And there I had six EMTs around my bed. And I'm, I'm just, I had, it made me wonder what terror, what uh, um, uh, people who are tortured had to, had to endure. Well, they, they took me to the hospital, up and down this test and that test. And finally, they uh, finally deduced after hours of being wheeled around the hospital that I had embolisms, as in three pulmonary Whoa. And it was just a heparin in the belly and I was a happy fellow. Oh my so three, goodness. And, that could have uh, killed you. Just one can kill you faster than a stroke or a heart attack. Yeah. Because it cuts off your pulmonary artery and your artery and then your heart. Oh, wow. Explodes. It cannot. Well, anyway, I beat those. I'm feeling pretty good. Right. So um, I go and this is, you know, uh, sidetrack real quick over here. I have um, I'm fond of saying that I have a lot of war stories some of which are true. But anyway, this is a true one. Right. So, so a part of my recovery, they didn't cut my legs off. So I walked. You know, I, I, I love to walk, but I, I do on one of the main streets here. So when I'm crossing a T or a cross section, a, a crosswalk over there, I make sure I got the little, I got the, the green light, that I have the walkway, that I have the little yellow man. Everybody says go. And then I walk across and I stare at the people parked at the light to make right. sure they're looking at me, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> so I'm um, clicking with my walking sticks along. I watch the first guy. Yeah, he's looking at me. Okay, but he's going back to his iPhone, but he knows I'm here. Right. So I'm going to go to the next one. And um, it was a, a, a woman in a soccer mom, uh, meant that affectionately soccer mom vehicle, a Honda with a scoop, uh, scooped front end. <clears throat> so I'm looking at her. I'm looking at her hard and slowed down. And so she has to see me because I can kind of see her, although it was dark. Right. And honest to goodness, got my right hand raised. I got right even with her hood ornament. And she must have thought it was a reticle on a sniper rifle. She hit the gas. Oh, wow. And she scooped my feet out from under me, oh. tossed me in the air, and I landed at 180 degrees from where I left the ground, staring into her driver's side window. Oh, right? my goodness. Whoa. I was a little disoriented, you know, and uh, walked across the street, you know, okay, all right. Then she drove off. That's another story. He anyway, drove off with that. Drove off, that. drove off like Horrible. she did it every day. Anywho, yep. this, this is the point of the story. I, I went for a follow-up <clears throat> with my orthopedic surgeon, a good professional friend now, and I'm having a follow-up. And this is what he said at first. He says, Jim, you know, you're probably here, most likely here because you are well conditioned. What does that mean? People confuse sometimes with just being healthy 
and perhaps being active with being in shape and mistake what all that for what you really need and that is conditioning whole body conditioning and believe it or not what we do uh, as we age over we have have to actually reverse what we do when we're young and i see that women do this too it's all about strength and endurance you know i can bench press my weight hot dog <laughs> Uh, but they mistake that. Okay, that's good, but you can't sustain that. You can't. So um, <clears throat> you need to do, um, uh, this is the priority for us as we get older, and the sooner you get into it, the better, is you need to be working on flexibility. Okay. You need to be working on uh, coordination. You need to be working on speed. Then you do uh, then you do strength conditioning and endurance endurance conditioning. Notice I didn't say workouts, right? right? I could right. go into that in great detail. Why do you reverse that? Put those three because that's what aging takes away from you: yep. your balance, your coordination, yep. you, know, you know, your yep, flexibility. Absolutely. And more people, more boomers die from a fall than anything else, I believe. So you got to keep up with your balance. It's a large percent of uh, uh, 25%. Don't, don't ever repeat a number I give you. Right, you know. right. <laughs> so uh, 25, 30% of everyone over 65, everyone over 65 will fall. Many of them will be injured. Deconstruct that event. First of all, you don't want to fall. What's that? Balance. If you do fall, you want to be able to take a blow. That is connective tissue strength. And then if you do fall, take an energy, you, uh, an injury, you want to be, have recuperative power and that's general well-being. Notice I said well-being, which encompasses uh, working out. And I could go on how, about how you put this together um, uh, and uh, uh, maybe perhaps introduce it, but you need to put the whole body together. So you learn about what is in a book like this or books by the great and so forth. So you understand uh, the, the very simple definition of what it is to have ethics and uh, virtue and then what it is to have character and then what it is to uh, have well-being. Uh, so then you, you put all this together and what happens is... <laughs> uh, in that pursuit of happiness, and we we do it wrong over here, but those are the things that our founding fathers, I believe, said can uh, comprise the pursuit of it. Because happy, you have to do those things so happiness sneaks up on you. Right, happiness sneaks up on you, and you know you do all this work and so forth. And um, oh, another little story, I was doing my walk down the the street, uh, Davis Drive over here. And I, I got my poles clicking and so forth along, and I've got some good tunes going on in my uh, headsets and so forth. And I had some 60s tunes on there, and all of a sudden I started dancing. And I was shuffling and dancing this away and that away, and working my poles. And a guy in a truck was passing me from behind. He's tooting and waving and blinking his eyes at me, you know, and saying, Good on you. you know? So uh, happiness, happiness snuck up on me and that is the definition of a, a life well lived you're on the track when you do that you know I, you know we're talking about the upside of it i mean to tell you um um i've seen some stuff i've experienced some stuff in my day but this stuff helps you work through it and beyond it 
Yeah, I, I, I've gone for some time here. So please, Ms. Terry, uh, prompt me with a question. I could get in a little bit deeper about the living the virtue, what good character is and what it is to put together uh, this uh, uh, whole being. Well, and as boomers, we've all been through a lot of hardships. Um, some of us have lost loved ones and we just have a hard time recuperating from that. But you you just have to work through no matter what happens, whether it's a physical illness like cancer or, you know, you need your shoulder replaced or whatever it is, you can get through it, but you have to work at it. It takes time. And I think character helps. If you've got character, you can get through it a lot easier than someone who doesn't. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, let me talk a little bit more about those essential things that um, you need to put together. Um, and just as an aside, Aristotle, I don't know how the boy thought of this stuff, but he said you weren't ready for the lessons of the philosophy that he was teaching until you're 48 or 49. How did he figure that out when life expectancy was a little over 20 years? But be that as it may, <laughs> never too late. Right, right. right. So I start out talking about virtue. I, wa I wanted to do that because uh, the company I work for wrote a three-page um, uh, three article, had 10 authors on it, and they had 30 virtues and so forth. It was gobbledygook. Mm. How do you execute that? Right. No, no, right. no, no. It was figured out a long time ago. So uh, the cardinal virtues are truth, uh, are justice, our wisdom, our courage, and temperance. Oh, wow, that is really lofty. Do I have to go out and get a toga, you know, <laughs> and spout wonderful Greek words, you know? No. Right. Right. Uh, what that means and what they help you realize when you talk about, um, when you talk about justice, it is this. It's learning the difference between right and wrong and then doing the right thing in the middle of the night when no one is looking over and over and over again until you intuitively understand what truth is. Uh, was it uh, Mark Twain that said, um, I've always told the truth because you don't have to remember what you said. It's true. So, you know, <laughs> it's um, true. I, I, could, I could go on about how you execute on that, but let's move to the next one. I got uh, uh, the, the, uh, the character going forward in New Labour, New Wave Leadership from General Stanley McChrystal, late of Afghanistan, Forjar, Star General. Now you got a big consulting firm in uh, uh, Alexandria. Actually, I'm going to go up and see him in February to sign a book for him. Oh, nice. Uh, it's wonderful. And he's, he's got it down to this. It is uh, true character is having the qualities of introspection and humility. So the first part, how do you ask the hard questions about you? And then one way to execute on that is when something goes wrong, anything, anything goes wrong, you say, what did I do to precipitate this particular thing? And you find out when you ask that over and over again, and you answer it over and over again, that you did something to participate that thing. And so it takes blame away yep, and, puts, yep. and puts the responsibility on you. That's a big deal. Yeah, true. Okay. And then humility, uh, very hard in, in this particular society when you have so much in so many ways to be a little better than the next guy. Uh, and this is, you know, this is a hard one, a hard one for so many people and me too. How do you really be humble? How do you realize uh, to, uh, to the ways to engender friendship 
another word to live by here is is to earn the respect of respectable people. And I'll be the first to say there are some folks that well, you just don't need to associate with. There, I said it. Right. And because there are so many bits of philosophy that way, you're judged by the company you keep and the people that, that you surround yourself with increase you or decrease you and so forth. So um, be careful. Uh, and the way to attract those good people is with good character uh, and oh, the wonderful things that happen. And then you need to work on the whole body body mind and spirit i could go off on that particular all thing. connected all but, connected all yeah. all important parts and knee bone connected to the thigh bone yep uh, and then so when you do this and you focus on this stuff is is um you are putting longevity with learning l you are putting together longevity and legacy right right to leave a respectable name and a moral child is a wonderful thing in this in this life. What more if you could do more? May I say something something real quick about legacy, which I've just discovered in this reading? You know, I, you can probably see in the background over here. I love to read. I really do. And there's no excuse not to read. I mean, you can get paper uh, books, which I love. Yep. Most recently, I started getting leather bound books so I can give them to my daughter someday. Ah, nice. And you have, you know, in electronic books and people are reading books to you, et cetera, et cetera. No excuse not to be with a book. No. Uh, I did a college course one time and only studied for it when I was waiting in line for something to happen to me. Right. right? So there are stolen moments everywhere. Yep. Uh, I carry <laughs> books with me wherever I go. Like if, I'm, yeah. if I have a doctor's yeah. appointment, you don't know how long you're sitting in the waiting room. I just bring my book. I don't want, I don't want to look at the magazines. That's just like, that doesn't pertain to me, but a good book. Yeah. I always bring it with me. Oh, come on. You don't want to keep up with Kim Kardashian. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. Don't pay any attention to her or her family. Sorry. Not for me. <laughs> so. Uh, go back to the virtues, you know, and how they're defined, which the greats, this is 2,500 years old, the boys worked this out, and it was all guys, but anyway, uh, and by the way, they really, for the most part, they respected women a lot when you read, read about that, but they, it were different times, okay. Right, right. So we, we talked about the, the, what they say, the cardinal, of uh, the cardinal virtues, the primary one is justice, because if you don't know right from wrong, so what, but then others say that wisdom should be a cardinal virtue because that is how you learn about what's right and wrong but wisdom is really meaning learning to love learning that's yeah it. that's all wisdom is yeah and then you can put together these things pursue any particular question um uh so learning to love uh love uh learning and by the way philosophy means just the study of yourself uh, and then we move on to courage. Usually people think, oh boy, oh boy, I got to put on a Kevlar and walk the streets and, and get bad guys and uh, face bullets in, in war. Um, that is a lot of this is stereotypes. What does courage mean, Terry? What does courage mean? Courage means getting up in the morning and knowing that whatever life throws at you, that you've done enough in the past and you have the confidence uh, that you can get through whatever life is thrown at you. And then part of that, part of that is, is actually, and I'm not being foolish here. There's a, the Ray Dalio, his principles book makes a great uh, a point about this. Um, you want obstacles to happen. I mean, you don't, you don't want to run around uh, 
you don't want to run around and uh, in the middle of traffic. But obstacles are not in the way. They are the way. That is how we are tested. That is how we figure things out. That is how we progress. Nobody, very few people ever really accomplish much by being a clock watcher and waiting to retire. Exactly. Do, yep. do yep. something. Do something. You can. You can. You know, yep. And words matter. Uh, and then the uh, so courage is just getting up in the morning mm -hmm. and, and having the guts and the gumption to say, it's okay. I got it. And then when you do take a hit, you're knocked down. Sometimes you're knocked down bad. Yep. Uh, and then you get up and say, okay, where do I put this foot? Where do I put that foot? And you know what? You figure it out. Yep. You figure it out. And um, uh, the last one is temperance. And it merely asks the question, how much is enough? You know what the answer is? Not much. <laughs> That's so, true. That's so, <laughs> true. You know, especially in this country, you know, if you have a roof over your head, you have transportation, some clothes and so forth. Uh, just think what a relief that is on your head and so forth. And so that particular rampaging uh, through uh, uh, material things uh, it can be settled very, very quickly here. And then you put yourself on this path, you can expect in this country of, uh, uh, of greatness uh, for a decent roof over your head, you know, and a, and a car that runs. Mine has nearly a quarter million miles on it. Thank you very much. <laughs> and, uh, you know, to be warm when it's cold, cool when it's hot, uh, and be dry when it's wet. Uh, and if we have even a modest home today, we live better than princes, potentates and kings of, of just a few generations ago. I started out on the farm with a two-hole outhouse. A two-hole outhouse. And now look at me. I got three toilets. One of them's got a light in them. I mean, I'm in tall cotton. You know, it's funny. When I met my husband, I went to Germany at age 19. I met my husband. And when I went to his house, they only had an outhouse. There was no indoor plumbing yet. That was in 1971 when we met. No indoor plumbing. A lot of the old farmhouses out in the country, they didn't have plumbing yet. So when I went to visit him, that's what I had to use. I also, another funny story, went to a, I guess it was not really a bar, bar restaurant. And I asked where the restroom was and they go upstairs. So I go upstairs. I go into the room. That's the restroom. And there's a hole in the in the, the thing, just like an owl house. It was an indoor owl house. There was no flushing toilet. Same thing. You sit on it and that's that. Oh, my God. I was so shocked. But, you know, they were still coming, you know, getting uh, things rebuilt from the war. There were just a lot of things that didn't happen yet. And a lot of people did not have indoor plumbing. The woman I stayed with didn't have a bathtub. You had to sponge bath. She had a sink, she had water, but no tub, you know? So when I first went, she was a friend of my grandmother. So when I first went to stay with her and my German was nothing, I didn't know any German. So I went and I stayed with her. First thing we did was go to the store, buy a dictionary so we could look things up so we could try and communicate a little bit. And then she pointed to where the bathroom was and I opened the door and all there, there's a toilet at least, thank God, and a sink, but no bathtub no bathtub. And every morning, winter, summer, didn't matter. The windows were open and she aired it out. So it was freezing cold in there because I was there in the winter. It was freezing cold. <laughs> you see what's happening back then, you know, so we um, have a lot to be thankful for, right? I'm telling you, I'm we telling really you now, do. and now it just makes us smile from ear to ear. You know, <laughs> fun stuff.
Yeah, be stuff. careful. Be careful. I'm very close to telling a dynamite story. So, you know, gotta watch out. <laughs> well, you tell us. Tell us the story. <laughs> okay. All right. You you're you're making me do this. <laughs> okay. okay. Yeah, I'm I'm absolutely making you do it. <laughs> <laughs> so my father came back from World War II after blasting runways out of the New Guinea jungle. Oh. And um, so uh, and by as an aside, I am the result of the USO dance in Sydney ah. uh, after the war. Mom wrote to dad for four years and here I am. Wow. Uh, so back to the story. So when you um, come back to the farm with expertise with dynamite, you would mm-hmm. not believe how many things need blowed up. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so we blew up rocks. We drew, drilled holes. We blew up things for neighbors. So anyway, there was a tree on the property line be, between us and McNish's woods there, a huge, huge hardwood tree. One little problem. Uh, it was right on the property line, but this tree offended my father. He didn't need much excuse to use dynamite, by the way. So, uh, <laughs> <I think so. laughs> uh, had a big limb that dipped over into the field, you know, and whack in the head, rake bales off the wagon, et cetera, et cetera. So um, he looked at it a little bit, and so we're we're gonna we're gonna fix this. So we went up there with a little green wagon and the Ford tractor, and we have our dynamite and our caps and and a repurposed telephone line there for the cable. Anyway, <laughs> my father's a Depression era World War II guy. Right, right. Um, so um, conveniently, this tree with that big limb that went up the side and in the crotch of the tree here, it had a bit of a hole. So if you know anything about dynamite, and I know a little bit, uh, you, if you uh, if you want to direct a charge, you put it to say the left side and then pack the right side with mud. Oh, okay. And then when the dynamite explosion is so violent, when it hits that, it's like hitting the concrete wall and it blows the other way. Mm-hmm. So we're going to trim the tree. <laughs> so father looks in, into the container over here and he goes, okay, give me the first stick and you prepare that one to your cap and you stick it down in the hole there like that. And he's looking at it like this and he goes, give me another stick. Okay, right. So you put that in. Give me another stick. <laughs> put that in. And he put two oh more God. sticks. Hot oh. dog. So, oh my gosh. <laughs> you know, so we go back onto the little knoll there, you know, and we have the cable stretched out and put the hood back on the tractor where you got the 12 volt battery. And we're all looking, we're looking out like this because we're we're a decent ways away. And uh everybody ready? Yeah. Zzz. Like that, you know, a couple, I'm a lamp, a lamp, you know, the tractor jumps back a couple inches, then you're whoosh, whoosh, over your head. You know? Oh my gosh. So oh my gosh. Look over, there's nothing, you know, with smoke and chips and everything else. He saw that tree off footprint near to the ground. <laughs> so, <laughs> unbelievable. But yeah, that's, uh, that's one of the true stories. Playing you know? with dynamite. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sounds like fun. fun. <laughs> Oh, it was a lot of fun. My father used to send us to the neighbors to blast their trees, you know. Oh, so, wow. <laughs> can you imagine 13 and 14 year old kid bumping around with, you know, dynamite? Wow. Dynamite. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> a lot of fun. You can abuse that stuff. You throw it all over the place and so forth, but you need. Oh, yeah. yeah. I. I respect it. I stay away because I don't know yeah. enough about it. <laughs> don't worry. I can't get it anymore. So. Oh, there you go. Good, good, good. <laughs> That's probably a good thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. 
So is there one final piece of advice you would like to share with my audience before we close? Like one thing maybe we haven't covered or you want to emphasize? Yeah. Um, uh, the first thing that pops to mind is, you know, it, it's never too late. And the, um, the obstacles are the way they're not in the way. Uh, and the corollary to that is just do it. Read a good book. And uh, this has been reviewed very well. So you get the prescriptions and the process and the uh, principles and so forth. And then uh, start reading. Uh, there are so many good, the daily stoic the practicing stoic uh couples by the way um uh cicero has a great uh, piece on friendship and uh growing old and he entertains all this stuff over here the, all the objections to growing old are not there uh so this is wonderful reading wonderful reading. learn to enjoy life well um do i i have time to tell you a little bit about the the ways to use your time well Okay, we got five ways to use our time. All right, you have you have maintenance. You need to eat and sleep. You have work for money. Okay, that's taking a big chunk out of your day. Then you have rest, which is vegging. Relaxation might be a hobby, and then you have leisure. All right, five ways. Of that, I'll save the suspense. The most important. Well, you, you need to eat and eat and sleep. But the most important of that, as far as legacy is concerned, is leisure, because that is the time that you can devote to bettering yourself and the bettering those around you. That is the time when you can really, really establish your legacy, the respect of respectable people. And you do these things and move in that direction because you meet with the unexpected uh, meet with the uncommon in common hours. Uh, one thing with, with the military and so forth, uh, I am a retired field grade officer, a, a major, imagine that, a kid with a toolbox. I retired as a major at age 38. Thank you very much. Wow. <laughs> um, my, my daughter, as a major, which is amazing. Yep. Um, thank you. <laughs> um, my daughter uh, had looked into, uh, with uh, dad uh, poking around a little bit, into coming into the Air Force Reserve. So she applied. The application had to go to the Secretary of Defense. Unbelievable. Wow. Anyway, it, uh, and it came back and it was approved. Nice. So she will, she will come in as a captain. It took me 10 years to make captain, even though I was, I was enlisted for six years. Mm -hmm. Come in as a captain, that'll line her up for major. So what so many things happen unexpected in uncommon hours, in common hours. I will be the one, this gets me. I will be the one to say, uh, Nicole, raise your right hand and repeat after me. Promise to defend and protect against all, all enemies. Wow. Yes. Wow. And I think we talked about your uniform still fits you. Well, there's that. It does. There, that's amazing. Does. Also, that's fabulous. So yeah. you'll yeah. be in your uniform doing that with your daughter. That is yeah. really amazing. I yeah. mean, I, I can't imagine the pride that goes along with that. Just, uh, yeah. You know, uh, uh, when she makes major, I will take my major's leave, leaves off my uniform. Oh, and, nice. And my leaves to her. And nice. And side too that uh, you do this. I mean. The toolbox boy. Right. I will be buried in Arlington. 
what wow. unbelievable yep. distinction and humbling honor with all those real big heroes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. Well, so, um, so uh, that's your legacy, passing this on to your daughter. That's yeah, part of it. You probably have a lot of other things, but that's yes, a big part. Yeah, that's big. And our next, and our 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 next, uh, a little chat. Uh, hopefully, there will be. Uh, I want to talk about being a philanthropist. Everyone can be a philanthropist. Again, that how question, but how do you do it? Okay, I agree. Yeah, we'll have to do that because I think that's a good thing for boomers to think about. We need to think about how to give back, how to share our wisdom, what we've learned over the years. We don't want to die with all that knowledge in our head. We need to pass it on to the next generation. And a lot of times our kids aren't the best ones to pass it on to. We need to find other young people to pass it on to because they're probably more willing to listen. (laughs) You know, I I make the point there that um, you do these things and you teach it to a child whether or not they are your own. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right? Yep. Yep. So uh, so much, so much can be done that way. And, and I think that um, we have a little um, uh, psychological, if not physical, uh, being presence with uh, those generations. Uh, believe it or not, no matter what you hear, uh, the worthy children listen to us. They surely do. They yeah. listen to us. So it's a big deal. So um it's never too late and obstacles are not in the way they are the way great way to end the podcast that's wonderful thank you so much for being with us today you have your inspiring stories were wonderful and i love the way you continue to inspire our generation to be better to live a better life and be better so you're a great inspiration thank you so much thank you We appreciate you joining us for this episode of Kick-Ass Boomers. For more information on today's guest, along with the show notes and other inspiring resources, buzz on over to kickassboomers.com. And don't forget to join our Kick-Ass community on Facebook or LinkedIn to continue the conversation. Be bold, not old.